0: This episode and all of our Sundance coverage is brought to you by Rode Microphones.
1: Hi, I'm Oakley Anderson-Moore, and you're listening to the No Film School Podcast. Today we're talking with the talented artists behind Felix and Paul Studios, one of the leading VR production companies, and some of my favorite virtual reality artists out there. What I like about their work is that it has a cinematic quality that in these sort of rudimentary days of VR isn't all that common. When I heard Felix and Paul were coming out with a 40 minute long narrative featuring Jeff Goldblum, I was curious to say the least. See, virtual reality has really been excelling in the realm of documentary. Having an immersive experience of a place almost goes hand in hand with that genre. But with narrative VR, it's been a harder nut to crack. How do you create a character arc and drama and humor in a 360 environment where the viewer can look anywhere they want at any point? It's a challenge Felix and Paul take head-on in their film Miupi, the story of a 1980s toy robot through whose eyes we watch a family grow up as he grows obsolete. I'm sitting here with Felix Lajunesse, Paul Raphael, and Sebastian Solon. Who are all members of the Felix and Paul studio, whose VR work is just premiered at Sundance in the New Frontier section? Thank you guys for being here.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us.
1: So, the first thing I want to ask you um, I had a chance to talk to Paul uh, last year when Nomads uh, premiered in the VR section, and that was a cool three part documentary series. Miyubi is very different. Um, at that, it, it's a narrative. And then last year, you said, um, what are you going to see in the future? You said last year was the year of documentary, and this year could potentially be the year of narrative. Certainly, Miyubi seems to be the case in point. So can you elaborate on uh, if that's you know why you decided to jump into the narrative, and do you feel that it is the narrative year of narrative VR?
2: Uh, well, we certainly feel it is a narrative. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a scripted comedy set in the 1980s, uh, where you embody uh, a Japanese toy robot. Um, we're, uh, <clears throat> I think, you know, we, we spent uh, about two and a half years uh, making VR, uh, mostly documentary. Uh, we did, you know, very short uh, fiction pieces, a, a companion piece for Wild and uh, one for Jurassic World. But, uh, you know, this whole time we were really learning what I think is, is the fundamental sort of element of virtual reality, which is presence. <clears throat> and, you know, anything, you know, that, that contains presence will amplify any emotion that will come after that. So having sort of gotten what I think is a pretty good grasp of how to you know, elicit presence in, in VR through our work in documentary, uh, we felt the confidence to jump into um, to narrative. Now, we initially thought we were going to make a 20-minute piece. Ah. But um, as the script evolved, as the, uh, the shoot evolved, uh, it, it ended up uh, almost doubling in length 40 minutes, so we made a much more ambitious leap than we were expecting, uh, but we're, we're quite happy with the result.
1: Yeah, I mean, my understanding is that 40 minutes, I mean, that's just, you know, people are just not really making narrative VR of that length, so what were some of the challenges uh, of trying to, I mean, it expanded from a 20-minute, so clearly it was just following something natural that wanted to be longer. Um, were there other challenges that came with that creative choice to have it so long?
0: Um, I think that, well... The, the format itself, um, as Paul mentioned, was not an objective for us, so we ended up at that format, and it just felt like an organic sort of response to the creative process that we were engaged into. Um, what did come as a challenge was that, as we were writing this story uh, with Owen Burke at Funny or Die, we realized that our scenes would be about five to six minutes sometimes, with an ensemble cast, and given the concept, which is you are through experiencing reality through the eyes of that family robot, well, we can't cut to different angles because reality is seen through his eyes and he's only at one place in each scene, basically. And so we realized that those scenes were all going to be long takes and so we would have to work with the ensemble cast in very long takes, you know? And so that became... The, the greatest creative challenge ever where we had to think, you know, as if, almost as if we were doing a form of intimate theater uh, in which the viewer is a part of. Uh, we have to really think of our mise-en-scene and our staging and, and our rhythm uh, of the piece and the pacing and all of that uh, within those boundaries, you know? And I think that that, that became sort of creative focus for us uh, in the making of this piece.
1: Yeah, I mean, how, what was the script writing process like? I mean, I assume that there maybe similar three-act structure type uh, things, but what's different when you're writing the script for MIUB and trying to consider these long, it's going to all be one, one shot? and.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, the main difference is that, well, first of all, when you read a traditional script, you have a lot of film lexicon and grammar in that and smash cuts too and camera dollies in, and all of that stuff is gone from our script. So what, what you have is dialogues, and some indications in terms of the staging, um, and it's a really I would say uh, it's a basic script. It's really about I would say the lines, you know, and and uh, and what we do, which we consider a very important part of, of script writing in virtual reality, is transpose that into an overview storyboard of the actual uh, representation of a scene, and so we position dots as if they were all the characters, and so we start to visualize our mise-en-scene and the pacing of the story uh, by animating those dots, and it gives us a sense of the pacing of the story that way, and then that prompts us to go back to the script itself and change the lines, and so we go back to the storyboard. So this is how we do it, Uh, and that's the best way for us to visualize uh, in advance and prepare the story.
2: And, and since we have these very long takes, you know, we, we we can't cut any of the fat out. Every every moment in the piece needs to be substantial. So uh, that's something that you can, to a degree, uh, write in the script. But really, you have to also leave a lot of room for that to happen naturally on the set. So you need to write in a way that's not too airtight. You know, mm-hmm. you need to you, you need to kind of prepare for or, or anticipate the fact that there's going to be these little bubbles that are going to kind of grow naturally when you're rehearsing the scenes uh, and even while you're shooting the scenes because the scenes just kept evolving uh, from from the script to the her- rehearsals to the shooting day the first few takes and then the final take which usually was the take that that ended up in the film.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean you mentioned earlier how this system could be compared similarly to theater, you know, staging theatrically. And you know, on stage, when you have an ensemble cast, anyone can be looking anywhere, similar to VR. And so there's always, there's like a saying, you know, you always, your eye tends to go to like the weakest point, you know, so make sure. So when you guys work with an ensemble cast, which for this, for Miyubi, I mean, it sounds very difficult to make sure that they're all on their mark at, every, at all the time, what is your, what was the process working with the actors?
0: So, first of all, the, the staging process, in terms of the physical motion and the beats of where someone needs to be at a specific point, that was very precisely crafted. Um, and uh, what, what, what we left as a loose element was the dialogue itself, because virtual reality feels so real, especially, you know, you referred to nomads earlier on, you know, this is an experience of raw, pure presence, where you're there in an unfiltered kind of way, but it feels so real with the 60 frames a second that we wanted to sort of get a sense of genuine, genuine performance. And so even if all the physical motions were tightly rehearsed, we try to inject sense of improv, and we would sometimes tell actors, you know, although you have to go there, please say a line that is not expected there, or say something, you know, before a take, and so no one would know it, and then he would do that on the, on the take, and that would prompt a genuine emotional response for the other actors, and so they would kind of follow the dialogue, of course, but there would be those accidental, prompted accident moment, you know, in the story, um, so it's a combination of very tight staging plus Some uh, loose that we create in the creative process for the delivery of the lines and all of that. That's kind of how we approach it.
2: So we we basically told the actors that there there is no such thing as a bad take, which of course there were bad takes. You know, (laughs) like you know, sometimes an actor will just completely freeze up and forget their line or or something, Mm and something, an accident will happen. But uh, apart for dramatic errors, we told everyone to just roll with the flow and that we would just adapt as the scene you know deviates from from Mm -hmm. the main uh, script.
1: So on No Film School, we have some people who are early adopters for VR, for VR but uh-huh. there's also a lot of filmmakers are, that are sort of resistant to everything you're talking about, You know, the stripping away of all the lexicon of filmmaking, taking away the shots. You know, what do you find creatively freeing or challenging when you do remove those things? I mean, for filmmakers especially who are just barely coming to understand like with the power of, of removing that and having the, the, the real, the closer experience.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I'll tell you, we we, we've been doing virtual reality for about four years now, and but before that, we were already making these uh, what I like to call presence-based experiences, you know, presence-based story, and we were already in this process of, you know, we were big fans of films where which already had long takes and elaborate staging, and we felt that these films, you know, had this enhanced sense sense of presence that also puts you in a in a very you know almost meditative mind state while you were watching them. And, and really, I, I, felt, I felt like these films impacted audiences differently. And so we were making these kinds of films, and eventually we were making these installations that had a similar effect. So moving into virtual reality, uh, it just felt like the, the, the medium itself wants that. And so it was an amplification of something we were already trying to do with film. So you know, very little of it felt at the point we were making VR like a restriction or or, or something that we've had to like struggle with. Um, Yeah. I mean, there's a fundamental difference between
0: cinema and virtual reality, which is if you watch a movie, let's take The Hobbit. If you watch The Hobbit, you never start thinking, what do I represent as a viewer in this story? Why is there a camera in this world? Why is the camera there? Like you don't take, uh, you don't think about that at all. It's an abstraction. Uh, In virtual reality, you're immersed inside of an experience. And if, as a storyteller, you do not establish the context for the viewer's presence inside of the story, uh, and then that that becomes, in my perspective, a weak storytelling in virtual reality. But if you embrace it, and if you grow your story and, and sort of thread the viewer inside of that story as a fundamental core component of the storytelling, then the medium finds... Uh, a stronger expression, you know, and and, and it further removes it from cinema, you know, in that perspective. And so sometimes we do that, contextualizing the viewer's presence in a very evocative way, like in a projects like Sea Gypsies* in the Nomad series. And sometimes we do it in a more literal way, like uh, in the project Miyubi that you've just seen in which you embody a specific character. So, uh, yeah.
3: And there's there's another aspect, which is the um, there's something liberating because you, the the, it's an evocative medium, and you are bringing um, your your guest, the viewer, the the, the visitor, uh, to another place. You almost there's something liberating in uh, I feel in in um, not being prescriptive about what exactly in the story you're watching at any point in time, mm-hmm. and if you think about. Any story, a book, a um, a song, um, anything. There are really very few points in the storytelling where you actually have to be paying attention. If we're if we're not able to guide the the, the viewer to want to follow those those key elements, those points, right? If um, there was a while ago uh, a Twitter feed that was um, uh, summarizing the classics of literature in 140 characters, right? <laughs> so if you can't do that, there's really only a few beat points throughout the story. And the rest is really just immersion. It's just all of the corollary stories. Plus, VR has this um, beautiful thing that invites you, because it transports you somewhere else, invites you to do repeated viewing and invites you to actually explore the world and explore the richness of the world. And I think this is one of the things that MIUBI has as a characteristic is a project that we embraced early on as a fully art-directed and a fully crafted environment that transports you somewhere else that is at the same time very familiar but also slightly offsetting. And, and, and finding the balance of that, I think, was one of the uh, greatest creative achievements in the project. Mm-hmm. I'm
1: curious about um, sort of the fact that, that, that Miyubi is a comedy and some challenges with that. I feel like with VR, everything's so new. I really enjoyed the piece. And I know that you collaborated with Funny or Die. It feels different, though, than a comedy that you watch narrative or a, a, a film comedy. And I mean, t- I'm curious. Obviously, it has to have something to do with the fact that you're there and you're so close to them. You can't quite laugh from the like, <sighs> telephoto lens you normally laugh at people from in like, yeah. a theater or your couch what do you guys think? What are the challenges of comedy? How do you feel about how does comedy work in virtual reality?
0: Yeah. um, So it's a great question. Uh, I think what we wanted to do before we even started to flesh out characters and write lines and all of that, we wanted to have a core concept that was inherently funny. So... You're a robot, so you can see your own robotic buddy all the way through. And if you actually pay attention, you will see that through the scene, which are declined over the course of a year, you gradually degrade, and your buddy is dirtier and dirtier and dirtier, uh, and you gradually lose functionality. And so you start to experience bugs and problems as if your brain was degrading. Um, so that was already part of what we wanted to accomplish. And um, and and then and then from that concept, which is you experience the world from the mind of a robot, we all also thought we can implement. Programs inside the robot's brain. So your creator, the person who fabricated you before he shipped you away from Japan, um, you know, as hidden some functionality that you that you can discover through the story, through little interactive strategies. Uh, and so all of that was already part of what we wanted to do. So we said, regardless of what we tell as a story and what characters we flesh out, your relationship to reality itself through that story, as a virtual reality experience, will be funny you know and would put you in a certain state of mind that prepares you for comedy you know and so after that we grew the stories and the characters from that core concept and we fleshed out the whole idea of the family in 1982 uh, in sort of the upper middle class suburb America and then we started conceptualizing all the characters and all the story and and it really grew from that core concept and uh, and I think that's important because Uh, it's it is a comedy but it's not a traditional comedy in the sense that you're a character in it and you have your own dramatic arc as a viewer so your arc is evolving with the arc of the characters but it's a distinct arc Um, and so you identify to them but you also identify to yourself and your story ends up being a little sad you know in this in this thing so I think it's a you know it's a different way to conceive of storytelling and comedy but uh, that's the road we took yeah
2: there is also um, you know, a big challenge with you know, being in early days still with virtual reality. Uh, you know, we, have, we have established very uh, efficient ways in cinema to suspend disbelief. And in VR, that's something we're still figuring out. It's such a realistic medium that if you do something like Nomads, where the point is to just capture reality in as visceral a way as possible, it's very great, good at doing that. But if you're going to fake something, if you're going you're to write a script and tell a fictional story, uh, we don 't have those hundred years of experience suspending disbelief with this medium, so in many ways, making this a comedy, putting you in a, in a, in a robot 's body, having that constant low perspective from being two feet high, uh, the stylized you know uh, acting uh, it 's by no means slapstick, but it 's certainly not one hundred percent realistic. Uh, all these things combine to to uh, help suspend this belief. You're not expecting this to be uh, you know 100% dramatic uh, realism. And so these were strategies that that helped us be able to make this this create this fictional world in VR. And there's another thing to add on
3: what Felix was saying on the um, on these uh, programs that your creator put inside your brain. Um, there was a very deliberate intent to actually have the story be a story, and the and the, the core arc as you as uh, of the story and of the characters and your own uh, work as a story. But then there is that element of uh, um, possibly branching narratives that you discover, and. Finding the balance so that you wouldn't be distracted. You would never think as you would in a game, what am I supposed to do next? What is it that uh, I'm, I'm I'm here and I'm supposed to, I have agency, but I'm supposed to do something with that. So the two uh, parallels again for, for uh, repeated viewing is uh, that the two paradigms are you can explore, you can find more, there's more to be seen in this universe, in this narrative world that you're inhabiting for a while. Uh, but at the same time, the story is kind of evolving around you, and it has a um, a unity in itself that, that is that is important. And so finding that balance and making sure that we weren't going into a um, video game that would, not because we're against video games, but just because it disrupts your sense of presence, mm-hmm. which is the most precious things that, that, that we want to keep.
0: Yeah.
1: From a practical point of view, um For filmmakers on No Film School who are seeing VR for the first time and wanting to experiment with it, what exactly do we need to sort of, like, what's the basic thing that we can do? Obviously, I know you guys have, make your own cameras and have things that we don't have access to, but, like, what would you recommend to filmmakers, like, what do we need to start with to sort of just play around with the medium?
0: I would say watch a lot of content. Watch everything you can watch. Experience everything you can watch, from super experiential, experimental pieces to straightforward narrative stuff to video game content. Put yourself in the mindset of virtual reality to see if it's a medium that really attracts you. Uh, and if it does, I would say that if you're a filmmaker who wants to film reality instead of creating a computer-generated experience, um, a good place to start can be 360 cameras that are non-stereoscopic. You know? So we film in 3D 360, meaning that it's stereoscopy in all directions, so you, f- you perceive the volume and the depth of reality. It's much heavier in terms of a process to do that. So if you shoot monoscopic 2D and 360 degrees, there are some much cheaper solutions to do that That's still grant you a very good experience and sense of presence when you uh, see that in the headsets, even if you don't have the full depth. So I would say definitely start exploring through 2D, um, the basic feeling of the medium, you know, as if you were playing with uh, some matter for the first time. You need to sort of feel it and understand it before you go into bigger productions, you know. So yeah,
3: and as a, as the chief technology officer of the company, I, my, my main advice advice would be not to go into technology too early. Like, uh, realize what is it that you're trying to do uh-huh. um, prototype early don't get stuck into a particular path be it for filming so uh, again going to what felix was saying it's it's easy to just get a 400 dollars camera and start understanding how where to place it how to how the characters interact okay. with it what exactly. what to film how to stage how to uh, elicit a rhythm in a scene etc but also if you're going on to the animated or cg route just Don't get stuck into the technicalities of it too early. Experiment, see, compare, review so that you can find what the core pillars of the experience in in VR are. And find your voice
2: in it as a creator. And and don't be afraid to let go of stuff you might have learned over (laughs) a number of years. uh, Well, if if you're a filmmaker, uh, that's something that um, was difficult for, for us. I mean, even when we were you know, Felix and I have been working together for 12 years now, uh, close to 13. And uh, I remember that that very, you know, uh, that period of high doubt, self-doubt when we were letting go of all these principles of cinema and questioning ourselves, like, what are we doing? Is this, are we like completely off track here? Is this like crazy what we're doing? Uh, and it took years and a lot of back and forth and then often arguing about different things that we, we we were thinking of letting go or things that were emerging as we were experimenting in, in quote-unquote presence-based storytelling. Uh, back then, there was no VR and it, it felt even kind of crazier. But today, with VR becoming a thing, um, I think it's you really there's no reason to doubt that. You really need to let go of... Some of the principles, like we're talking about stories, you know, the three-act structure, I think, can, can transition very well. I mean, it's transcended media for, for centuries, if not more. So um, there are certain things that can translate, but a lot of them don't so well. Or if they do, they need to be transformed and, and adapted to the medium. So uh, I think a certain fearlessness to do that is, is, is a prerequisite. I, I'm, I'm going to second that.
3: I think you have to embrace the unlearning. And it was uh, it was very much of a a learning experience for myself to have to let go of 25 years of thinking about things in a certain way, and um, and criticize a lot, like think thoroughly through any, at every, any any step of the way. Is what I am doing VR native? Is what does 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 this pre assumption that I have work in VR? You have to be very vigilant and. Not be afraid to drop baggage.
0: This episode and all of our Sundance coverage is brought to you by Road Microphones, 100% Australian-owned and made professional microphones for studio and broadcast. And My Road Reel, the world's largest short film competition, now in its fourth year running with over 500,000 in prizes given away so far. My Road Reel is back, bigger and better in 2017. More films, new judges, and more prizes. View past winners and register for 2017, head to MyRoadReal.com and sign up now.
1: One thing I feel like I've uh, noticed in your guys' work and maybe heard you talk about is when creating presents, how important where you place the camera is, which um, sort of is something that filmmakers probably don't necessarily think about. Can mm-hmm. you sort of elaborate on that? I mean, with Miyubi, you're in the body of a robot and... Uh, which I think is such a cool choice. But, you know, that's just for this project. I'm sure you have lots of other experience with deciding mm-hmm. where to place the camera in relationship to creating presence. Like.
0: So I, I like to give the example of the very first virtual reality piece we did three years ago. It's called Strangers with Patrick Watson. And Instant experience. It's five minutes long. There's one shot. And you're sitting with an artist inside of his studio as he's writing music. And there's this dog and yourself in the room as a viewer, and that's it. That's the experience. And when we did that experience, our instinct was, okay, let's think of the camera as a visiting friend. Because we wanted, the point of that was to feel a sense of relationship and intimacy between the viewer and the artist. And so we we said to the artist, conceive of this camera, which sort of looks like a human being, um, as a visiting friend. Where would it make sense for this person to be inside of your personal space? And he said to us, well, when someone visits me when I'm writing, it's only my very close friends who do that. And I wouldn't want them to be too close to me. I would want him to be more or less there. And that's where we placed the camera. And after that, we also told the artist, you know, if you feel like it, if you feel like you want to engage at some point or look at the camera, I- Please think of it as if it was a friend. Think of it not as a camera. Think of it as this visiting friend. Keep that in mind in your process. And he did that. And so ultimately, when you experience the, the the piece, it makes sense for you to be there. It feels for you as a viewer that you belong in the space and you belong in this situation with that character. You no longer feel like a voyeur. You no longer feel that like it like it's weird. You see what I mean? Like an intruder. It just makes sense, you know. And you feel that sense of relationship. So it's one example, but we. Do think that uh, the relation between character, or I would say, viewer and environment, and viewer and protagonist, whether you're in fiction and nonfiction, is extremely important. More than is this a beautiful shot? You see what I mean? It's the emotional connection that matters most before the composition of I put this there and I frame it this way.
2: You see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You, you you really want to probably find your own uh, principles through through experimentation. But uh, you know, one of the the ones that we've use in almost all our projects and in almost all the shots of our projects is that we're respecting the position of the actual physical viewer when we're shooting. So in almost all pieces uh, we've shot from a sitting height, a sort of average sitting height. And we fluctuate. Sometimes You know, we, we go a little higher or a little lower, but most of the time you kind of feel like your body is in correspondence with what you're looking at. And even in UB, uh, you, you were, where the camera's usually positioned from about two feet off the ground, since you have that robot body, you kind of get teleported into that body, that smaller body. So you still feel like you have this one-to-one ratio of correspondence. And you know, having done this in almost all projects in three years, we're just now finally starting to, to drift away from that because we feel like we've sort of uh, internalized a, a, a lot of what that meant you know like what what, what did that one-to-one ratio and, and what worked what didn't work and we feel like we can start transcending it but that was one of the things i think that's that, that gave a lot of the, the pieces we made that sense of presence is that you you don't you're sitting down and the camera isn't just floating in the air unless it's just it's justified because if you're going if you're talking about some kind of dreamlike sequence or something that's more of an internal uh you know we, we just did a piece um we released a teaser a few weeks ago for a piece we did with uh, the president and his wife, uh, Michelle, Barack and Michelle, at the White House. And uh, for the f- one of the first times, we actually kind of threw a bit of that out the window. So for example, we, we it, it, you have the the this kind of voiceover by the president who's kind of guiding through the White House and telling you a bit about the history and about his personal relationship with the different parts of the White House over eight years uh, having lived there. and we wanted to give the scenes uh, a feeling of you're traveling through the president's memories of these spaces. And so we still respected sitting height because we didn't want it to feel too disembodied, but we had the camera sort of floating through space. And that kind of kept that feeling of presence, but gave it a bit of a, you know, more of an internal uh, poetic poetic spin, you know? So that was one of those ways we kind of start transcending that that principle but um yeah so the, 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 there's uh i think a, a need to to figure out for everyone out there who is listening is interesting virtual reality figure out for themselves maybe what they feel makes creates that sense of presence and and really just try to sculpt that o- over time you know and and try uh, try it many times i mean we've we've done it for 3 years almost this single principle and uh, I think it, it, it takes... And you, you'll see filmmakers out there who have specific styles. And the reason they usually have these styles is not because they they want to be stylistic. It's because there's something about that style that works for them, the way they tell their stories. And I think if, uh, more than uh, in any other medium, since we're learning from scratch, everyone on, on this planet, we need to, to, to kind of... Uh, stick with ideas that we think work and really flesh them out and and this is one of such uh, ideas
1: very cool well thank you guys so much i might just end on one thing you've predicted the future for me before since last year you said that this year would be the year of narrative and you guys have certainly made that true um what should we look for next year and in the future what are some things you think will be coming around the corner next in terms of vr
0: uh, I believe next year is going to be the year of serialized content. So you're going to see more ambitious endeavors with 6 parts and 12-part series that are in the fiction and nonfiction space. So, yeah.
2: You're also going to see the beginning, I think, of uh, more positional, uh, interactive storytelling. I mean, you certainly have some of that today. Uh, but uh, I think we are, at least ourselves, ex- starting to explore building on everything we've learned in linear storytelling and virtual reality, and then adding the variable of the viewer's position to that. And so there's a creative challenge there. There's also a big, huge technological challenge. And then some of the technology um, to do that is, is, is coming out. Some of it we're developing. Some of it we're working with partners on. Uh, and there's a bunch of companies doing some pretty amazing stuff there. So that'll start coming out, but it'll also be a, a renewed uh, creative challenge as well because you're adding this pretty major variable. You know, we went from film, which was a flat image over there, uh, to an image all around you, but we still control where you are in that image you can look in any direction but we know where you are now where you're going to have this this zone in which the viewer is but not a specific point so for example if you want to create eye contact with the viewer where is the viewer you know and then you have to like have some kind of software maybe in there if you absolutely need eye contact for that to work which is very easy if you're working with computer generated characters animated characters but if you want this to be photoreal it's a, it becomes a huge challenge you have 15 more minutes for I your agree. answer <laughs> I'll, I'll take one of those 15 but I
3: I agree with both those predictions I, I guess the one other thing that I would say is that I think that we will see in a year from now a lot more uh, engaging with characters in VR and uh, and I think that's a that's a fundamental and important part of, of exploring the medium
1: Fantastic. Well, thank you guys so much for talking to us. I really enjoyed Mubi and can't wait for people at home to see it.
3: Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for Indie Film Weekly this Thursday. And be sure to subscribe to the No Film School podcast on any podcast platform out there.